The Master Tavern Keepers, History of the Old World. that. So, after the sailors had cleaned all that monkey excrement off themselves, what happened next? Yeah, yeah, well, the rest of the day was indeed spent washing the men's dirty hair and clothes, but uh, not only this. Other members of the crew spent their time in more productive ways, such as uh, fishing, hunting, gathering fruit, and uh, collecting driftwood from the beach to make a couple of fires. The wood in the jungle was uh, too damp to burn, as they had learnt, before they were set upon by those um, industrious primates. During the uh, subsequent days, the crews of each ship were roped into securing the encampment on the beach in case the lizard men decided to assault Marco and his men, and drive them from their shores. Marco himself spent most of his time in deep conversation with my grandpapa, going back over their first meeting with the lizard men. He was trying to come up with uh, any mistakes that he had uh, made in his dealings with the uh, skink Winnie Pachutli and his master, the San Siltok, as well as uh, coming up with um, some strategies for the various potential outcomes Marco and his fellow explorers could soon face. To be perfectly honest, he was feeling a little bit downhearted, according to my grandpapa. But on the fourth day after their fateful rendezvous, the interpreter, Winnie Pochutli, arrived at the camp on the beach with a coterie of important-looking fellow skinks in tow. Marco raced out to meet them in jubilant excitement. Marco Colombo, felicitations to you once more. You are most blessed. The most beneficent Lord Zitli summons you to an audience with him within the city of Tilax. I cannot stress what an honor he has bestowed upon you. It has been an aeon since a warm blood has been allowed into his presence. Rest assured, I wholly appreciate the uniqueness of the gift he has given me and my men. Ah, yes. Actually, there is a caveat. You must come alone. Eh, I'm not sure I like the sound of that. Of course, mon ami, and we understand your hesitance. But alone is the only way you will get an audience with the Great One. 
as a show of our understanding. Four of my brother's skink officers here will remain behind at your camp to demonstrate that we intend you no harm. Please reassure your men that you will be allowed to return once the meeting and negotiations have concluded. And to this, Marco acceded and left with the skink interpreter into the depths of the jungle. In his absence, he gave joint leadership of the men to Giovanni and my grandpapa. With the uh, camp set up and fortified, there was not much more that needed doing on it, and so he left Giovanni in charge of the men on the shore with instructions to flog anyone who broke discipline. With uh, relish, Giovanni took to this task eager for any opportunity to use the lash. As for my grandpapa, Marco asked him to choose a group of the best men and attend to the three ships. They were in sore need of numerous repairs, and the provisions on all three boats required almost a complete restock. Thus, over the next few days, many of the men under my grandpapa's command spent their time refilling the boat's larders with what fish, meat, fruits and vegetables they could catch and gather, and then preparing them for preservation. Whilst the remainder of the sea dogs conducted repairs and maintenance on the decks, hull, sails and rigging. Throughout this, the uh, four skinks kept to themselves. Marco did not return for another week, but when he did, it was with a big grin and a large entourage of skinks carrying woven baskets. He immediately climbed up to one of the makeshift watchtowers that the men had constructed at the entrance to the camp and addressed the assembled sailors. My friends, my friends, it was riches I promised you, and it is riches I have got for you. With this, he held aloft a pair of enormous flawless pearls, allowing them to catch the sunlight so all could see. The lizardmen wished to employ our services, but not as mere trading partners. No, no, no. We are to be their dogs of war. Apt, do you not think? We are to track and to hunt down the base curs who would despoil their holy cities and ransack their ancient treasures, and they will pay us with these pearls. The lizard men behind you can see each bear a whole basket full of these riches. Each of us will return to Tilia a rich man, wealth. Beyond counting is within the grasp of each of us. All we need do is sink a few pirate ships. Who amongst you can do that? And with that, the men cheered. He had them eating out of the palm of his hand. But little did many know that they had just signed their own death warrants. 
Once the ruckus had died down, Marco took my grandpapa to one side. Frederica, Frederica, eh, do you fancy a drink? And with this, the two retired to Marco's private tent in the middle of the encampment, where he pulled out another gourd of the lizardman liquor and a pair of glasses. Beviamo alla nostra. Then, ah. all of this, uh, our encampment, I mean, will have to come down. I have uh, secured as a far more defensible position. But uh, let me tell you all about the past week first, Frederick. It has been quite the experience. The lizardman first took me to the city called uh, Tilash. By which Marco meant uh, Tilax, of course. They conveyed me upon a carrying chair attached to long poles borne by the skinks. I took it to be a great honor, although perhaps they simply did not think I could keep up. Ha! 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 Well, those skinks are surprisingly nimble. Bene, bene. The route followed many winding jungle paths and up and over stone causeways that traversed great expanses of swamp and jungle grove. These finally led us to a perfectly straight, wide, wonderfully paved road. It was flanked at uh, regular intervals with ancient, lichen-encrusted statues carved in the form of a grimacing lizard sphinxes and the terrifying visages of what uh, resembled toads. After a long time, we finally entered a broad plaza that teemed with, I dare say, thousands of skinks, all engaged in all manner of activities. Obviously, as a stranger... And a warm blood, as they call us, no less. I drew a lot of attention and aroused a great deal of interest. However, before I could cause too much disruption, I was quickly carried away across the broad paved concourse to one of the towering stepped pyramids that flanked it on three of its sides. The skinker bearers carried me up a countless steps until we reached the uppermost, flat platform of the pyramid. From this lofty vantage point, I could see the entire city. It was breathtaking, if I'm to be honest. 
There were many small epidemies clustered around the larger ones, as well as the terraces, tall obelisks, and rectangular pools beyond counting that glinted in the sun's light. And, as far as I could tell, every available surface on each of these was intricately carved and painted. Off to the side, I noticed a building was still under construction. I saw a huge reptilian beast, halfway between a dragon and an elephant, dragging massive blocks of stone up large ramps and cosseting the labour of these great monsters was the din of a thousand skinks. Chip, chip. Chipping away at each stone with obsidian chisels. Suddenly, the smell of heady incense snaked and swirled upon the breeze and drew my attention back to my immediate locale. In front of me was a massive stone doorway which we were about to enter. Both the entrance and the short dark corridor we entered were guarded by terrifying rows of large battle-scarred saurus, whom I would later learn were called Temple Guard. Every warrior bore a gigantic halberd and was clad in what appeared to be bronze and copper breastplates and greaves, each embossed with snarling lizard faces and enigmatic hieroglyphs. The corridor led to a long, wide room lit by sunlight that entered through the shafts that were cut into the ceiling. At the far end of the chamber I dimly perceived an impressive creature enthroned upon a golden palanquin. The air between he and I seemed to thrum with power and energy. The palanquin hovered above a carved black pinth, which formed an island in the middle of a small rectangular pond. I could not tell if these waters were shallow or deep, or even if it was actually water or not some other quixotic liquid. There were more temple guards around the pool, and skinks bedecked in feather headdresses quietly attended to the central figure. Behind, ranks upon ranks of skinks bearing large leaf fans stood and created a constant undulating breeze that cooled what would have been otherwise an oppressively hot room. The skinks bearing my own chair brought me yet closer. As I neared, I could see that the greater figure on the palanquin was another of the Slana major priests, except that this one was even bigger and more bloated than the Lord Sleet. 
Dock, whom we had met at the ruins. I was set down before the powerful potentate, and he began to regard me with intense concentration, blinking first one eye and then the other. I began to feel dizzy and confused, and it was with a great deal of relief when the Skinka interpreter, Winnie Pachutli, began to converse with his master and draw the slan's attention away from me. The Skink's introduction seemed to go on forever and was only punctuated with the occasional cursory cloak, blink, or the wafting of the slant's fly whisk. I found it hard to look upon the slant directly without my head starting to swim and so I spent my time looking at the stone-faced temple guard and the elaborate decoration that covered the room. I saw wall paintings depicting glyphs, astral entities, giant lizard creatures, and what appeared to be maps of the heavens above us, as well as our world. Below. Eventually, Winnie Pachutli appeared to finish his introduction and directly addressed me. Lord Zitli welcomes you. I am honored to have been summoned and received by such a majestic and almighty prince and ruler of this strong and so prosperous city. Winnie Pachutli gave me a traditional Bretonian courtly bow in response. This was a good start. Then the rigmarole of exchanging our diplomatic pleasantries continued for some considerable time until I eventually grew impatient to move on to the real negotiations. I was eager to secure as a deal, so I once more took the same approach as I did at the ruins. Lord Zitli, I do not wish to encroach upon your precious time any more than is absolutely necessary. May I cut to the chase? I want to make you an offer you cannot possibly refuse. Winnie Pachutli paused for a moment, eyeing me wryly before apparently translating my words. The slan appeared to take to my offer, though, if his expression was anything to go by. 
I continued with the details of my idea and what a fantastic service we could perform for a nation who apparently had no ships to guard their shores, but a lot of treasure that was attracting thieves from across the globe, much as a carcass in the open attracts scavengers and flies. I put together what I felt was a very convincing and cogent argument. All the while, Queenie Pachutli continued translating, but all the great toad did was just to sit there with an almost smug expression on his face. I know this was against your advice, dear Frederick, but I could not help it. I became frustrated. I had to know. Did he like the deal or not? Then, suddenly it struck me, and I realized what this skink interpreter was doing. I addressed Winnie Pachutli directly. You're not telling him what I'm saying at all, are you? What did you say to him? Winnie Pachutli's brow furrowed. And he scowled. I have been feeding him compliments. You are a rude warm blood who could not possibly understand. You're so very ignorant. It is impolite to ask Lord Zitli a direct question, especially concerning such mundane matters as you are so obsessed with. This put me in my place. I took a deep breath and uh, resigned myself to allowing the skink to take charge of the negotiations before I ended up offending the slan and damning us all to a bloody drug death on the altars of Sotek. After another long period of the skink buttering the slan up, he finally turned to address me. Lord Zidli wishes to learn the answers to some questions. I had no other recourse but to answer these if I wished to progress to the real negotiations. Firstly, as far as I could tell, he wished for some nautical information on the distance across the great ocean. And so I produced my maps, and uh, this seemed to satisfy his query. His second question concerned the god Sotek, and as to whether he had manifested in the old world. I told him he had not. His last question was very confusing, and it seemed to have something to do with the mating rituals of the warm bloods. I was not quite sure what he wanted to hear, and so I just told him about some of our... Uh, 
drunken nights out in Aremas. And uh, with that inauspicious end, the meeting was over, and no deal had been struck. However, I realized I did not need any further audiences with the slan. The true power in the city seemed to be with the high skinks, who took care of everything so the mage priests would not be troubled with trivial matters. And so it was with these that I would conduct various meetings over the next few days in order to clinch the deal. Again, my liaison was Huini Pachutli, who translated everything for us in my meetings with the five high skinks of the city. Europolkwa, Mankwoksutini, Angri Pangri, Dotpektwini, and Mansiksapati. These five kings debated my offer throughout this period, and I was questioned ad nauseum. However, in the end, it was not my arguments that swayed them, but rather it was a prophecy. According to certain plaques, they were expecting further visits from a warmer bloods, and these would not be reasonable people like us. And so, they would indeed hire our services, but not for gold, which was sacred and a holy metal for them. And so, I asked them a what were they prepared to offer us in recompense? I looked over the many products that their culture produced. These included spices, edible grubs, potions, and the tusks of the terrible lizards that inhabited the jungle. Mm, some of these indeed looked like they might bring a, a decent price back in Tilia, but it would be a gamble. I myself like a gamble, as you know, but our men were expecting riches. However, it was at this very moment that I noticed that one of the skink scribes had an abacus for doing his calculations. But... As I looked closer, my eyes grew wide. I could, I could not believe it. The beads on it were enormous, perfect pearls. Even putting the renowned pearls of Sartosa to shame, I immediately turned to Huini Pachutli. Have you got any more of these? The beads on the abacus? Yes, mountains of them. Fresh water clams were quite the delicacy for the lizard men, 
But it seemed that the pearls they contained were viewed as no better than the empty shell that housed them. I could not believe our luck. I quickly told them that they will do very nicely, and to my surprise they offered us as many as we wanted. I told them that if they threw in the spices and the potions too, they would have themselves a deal. They assented. Oh, and uh, don't let the men know about the spices and the potions, though. That is just between you and uh, me. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. Additionally, Huini Pachutli said that we could use one of the small offshore islands as a base for our ships and that they would provide us with food and to drink. After some more negotiating, payment was finally agreed. For every enemy captured and sacrificed to Sotek and every sacred artifact that we returned to its temple city, we would receive a small fortune. So, with that decided, I stayed on and helped them organize their first down payment. This took a couple of days. Skink bearers were assigned to bring all of the pearls, potions and spices. However, on the very day we were to leave, the city was attacked. And you will not believe this, Frederick. It was attacked by the hated Nagarothi, the very same leaders who ransacked our beloved city of Remus five years ago. What? Heinrich, you're telling me that the Dark Elves who raided Remus are also the ones who attacked Talax? Yeah, yeah. That is what uh, Marco told my grandpapa. Ahem. Are those the same Dark Elves that... Ah, no, Apprentice Steiner. I think that's something we uh, better not mention right now, don't you think? Heinrich, Heinrich. Don't worry about anything uh, that uh, Stein is mentioning now. Uh, instead, I think if it's a battle we're to hear about next, I'm going to need a refill. Apprentice uh, Fazari, could you bring out the rum from its hiding place? Who fancies a, a wee dram? Apprentice Steiner, would you be good enough to lend me your ears? I think there's something we need to discuss in private, outside.